Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. This is the Believe in Bears podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. What is up, Believers, and what is up, Bear Down Nation? I am Cameron Lee. I am Joey Christopoulos, and today's episode is brought to you by BetOnline.ag. The NFL season, it's in full swing, and you might not be at the game this year, but you can still be in on all the action at BetOnline. Bears are six-point underdogs now. What are you going to do about it, Bears fans? If you're going to do something about it, head to BetOnline for game spreads, totals, team player, and coaching props. It's bet online. It gives you more options to wager than any place online. And there is always that online casino as well. It never closes. So head to betonline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, betonline.ag and sign up today. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Cameron, it's week seven. The Bears go into Los Angeles for the trilogy. The third round. I'm pumped. Bears versus Rams. As I say every week, let's get it on. We got a big one this week. Uh, the Rams are definitely uh, definitely going to be a formidable opponent, someone that we uh, need to come out and play well against, and I'm excited about this one. This should be a really fun matchup on Monday night, baby. And we've got an interesting pattern here. They've played the last two years. Both the games were low-scoring, both defensive taught battles. Maybe let's just start with the narrative of the national narrative that continues to dog the Bears. Once it gets started, it's hard to shake it that they're frauds, that they're imposters, that they haven't beat anybody good. I want to get your thoughts, Cameron, because I got news for Bears fans. Even if we win in Week 7, I don't think that narrative is going to be shaken anytime soon. No one's going to be satisfied. I think it's just about winning the game, a game that we can definitely win. I'm over that narrative. I, I think that that's kind of that's old news at this point. You know, through a couple games, sure, you could say, hey, they, they barely pulled that one out or they got lucky to do it or maybe they're frauds or imposters to have won one game or two games. But five games in the NFL, that is that is no easy feat. And to pull them out in a variety of different ways, you know, maybe they don't have a great offense, but that doesn't make you a bad team. And so are they a Super Bowl contender? I don't know that I'm ready to put them into that category, but six games through an NFL season, that is enough of a sample size for me to say, hey, this team's legitimate. They're someone... Uh, that needs to be taken seriously. Now we've got a very tough stretch of the schedule coming up, and I think we'll get a better idea of how great they can be. But they're a good team. They're a good team, and we need to give them the respect they deserve. Before we get to Cam's keys for Bears' victory in Week 7, let's head a little news and notes and go into Cam's highlights from the Bears' win last week against the Panthers, 23-16. to We got a chance to look at the film. A couple things stuck out. We want to hit it. But at first, let's hit some news and notes. The Buffalo Bills guard, Quentin Spain, is on the street, 29 years old, signed to a $15 million guaranteed contract last offseason. Now all of a sudden is a free agent. We got Cordero Patterson sending recruitment tweets and Quentin Spain liking them. Just talk about the player first and whether he'd be a fit with the Bears and should we go after him? Mr. Undrafted, Quentin Spain. Uh, I mean, the guy is hes a veteran. He's a, a proven player in the NFL. I, I see no reason why the Bears shouldn't pursue this guy. We've talked about their lack of depth on the off- offensive side for a while now. Yeah, there's definitely no reason that they shouldn't maybe seek to to fill that spot that, that James Daniels has left, that void. Uh, Spain has been someone that, you know, he, he's not a superstar. He's not an elite-level player, but he's been a starter. He started 48 games for the Titans, I believe. And, I mean, this is someone that, that needs to be playing, and the Bears have a huge, huge, huge hole to fill at that left guard spot. We've seen Alex Barros take his chance on it, uh, Rashad Coward take a take a stab at it, and like let's be frank, like this things have not gone great. It has not looked it has not looked good since uh, the James Daniel injury, 
And I think if, the, if this team is going to prove that they are able to, to get over that hump to be this team uh, on the offensive side of the ball, that they need to be to step up into that next level of the conversation about, hey, are they frauds? No. Are they Super Bowl contenders? Maybe. Uh, but it's definitely going to come down to a lot of their ability to, to I guess, pick things up on the offensive side of the ball. Quentin Spain is definitely a, a viable option and someone that the Bears should, should pursue. I completely agree. Teams that think that they can make some noise in the playoffs, let alone go to a Super Bowl, make these midseason type moves. And a great way to look at it is the Bears just need depth. They need talent in that room. And let's walk the Bears fans through the evidence of what we just saw in this last Bears-Panthers game. Cameron, I'm dying to hear what you what you see on the tape because in the first half, through the first three quarters, honestly, I see Rashad Coward and I see Charles Leno having a really tough time. I mean, whiffing on blocks, getting trucked, getting pushed back. That line of scrimmage wall that at the very least you can give Nick Foles one, 1.5 seconds to throw the football, that's getting pushed back one or two yards. You know, what did you see? Because it looked pretty ugly out there to me. Yeah, the offensive line struggles have really, really persisted throughout the season. I thought that they were going to be you know, we saw some evidence early on in the season that maybe they were going to be able to get things on track. Um, but I think partially, obviously, the uh, the move to put Rashad Coward in the game, he did not seem to be up on par uh, with with this whole group. But, I mean, collectively, they did not look good. They were getting beat across line of scrimmage all across, um, all across the whole front. Um, didn't look good in pass protection. Um, didn't look good in the run game. Cody Whitehair was the only player with a favorable grade, according to PFF. In the run game, and Bobby Massey was the only player with a favorable grade. The rest of the group, quite frankly, played played really poorly. Guys getting beat. Uh, it, it was just uh, it, it was a really bad game against a team that they should have been. There was no reason that that, that they would really kind of play that poorly. You know, against maybe the Colts or the or the Buccaneers, maybe we'll give you a pass. But I, I, that was not a, a team that they should have performed so poorly. So I'm, I do have major concerns right now. We talked all last week about how this was an opportunity for the Bears' offensive line to control that line of scrimmage and a Panthers defense that had been giving up on paper a ton of rushing yards to opponents, and it just didn't really happen. I do want to ask you, I felt like around the four-minute, the 440 uh, area there, like in the third quarter, I did notice that they were able to put together a couple of solid plays where they actually did get pushed. David Montgomery was able to get six, seven, eight yards. It started to resemble a little bit more like something that could be a consistent thing moving forward did for you is that much ado and nothing just some plays I mean, you got to make a couple good plays during a game or could that possibly be maybe Rashad Coward getting his legs under him a little bit and maybe moving forward maybe they have a little bit more of a, a continuity going forward it was weird because that was something that I noticed like actually live you know a lot of the times you have to go back and watch the all 22 to like notice some of the tendencies and see these sort of things happen uh, you don't necessarily catch it or in real time but i noticed that throughout the game there was just sort of a surge in that mid to end of the third quarter where they were really driving the ball down the field and they could tell that like they were going to make a concerted effort to run the ball get their first rushing touchdown or whatever in their and their first uh, third quarter touchdown and um and you could see that surge so you know part of it's probably just hey getting your legs at the right time some of it's just confidence some of it's play call and sometimes it's just getting lucky but uh, it was the i don't know if it's just the right combination of things but they definitely seem to be putting that emphasis on running the ball uh, and making sure that, hey, this is going to happen and it's going to happen now. Sometimes you just got to force things to happen. And I, I don't know if that was if that was necessarily intentional, but you could see that. I noticed that a lot from Shad, um, Shad Coward on, the, on those plays that he was not only finishing, but driving, getting up and like celebrating. You noticed uh, when they finally got in the end zone, he was like the one dancing. He did like a Super Saiyan move in the end zone. And 
Like that's that's what we need to see. So yeah, I mean we can we can tear him apart and say, hey, he didn't play very well. He didn't do this. He didn't do that. But ultimately, ultimately on on this on this one particular drive in this series, he looked very good. So I don't know what that means. Uh, how to grade that out in its entire entirety? I mean, ultimately the the PFF grades were very poor. I mean, let's let's be frank about it. But some good stuff to take away from it, I guess. So take take it as you will. It's a little bit of credit where credit's due, and it's breadcrumbs of perhaps could this be something that they could build on moving forward. I don't think either of us are hanging our hat on that one right now. It kind of sort of feels like that game where a baseball team's down 9 to nothing and you score three or four runs in the ninth inning, and it's that concept of at least finishing the game, feeling good, and can that transfer over to the next game? Really hard to tell in those type of situations, but something that at the very least you like to see. Pivoting over, also the other cam highlight I wanted to present to you was Robert Quinn against the Panthers in this game. I thought he had a fantastic... Now, people talk about impact plays. I'm looking at him, and I'm seeing plays that he's impacting of consequence that go in the, the right direction for the Bears' defense. There is this narrative out there that you're looking at the box score. You don't see the stats. You're looking at the snap count, and he's not on the field every single play. But, man, on that very first drive, Everyone else is going to get their name called in the highlight sheet, but Robert Quinn, on the very first play, that's all Khalil Mack. He blows it up for two yards, but those next two plays, the sack and the interception, I see Robert Quinn absolutely destroying the tackle and the guard, creating a twist, opening up a lane to get make those plays happen. I just thought he was around the quarterback and disruptive the entire game. What did you see? Early on, I loved their use of the ET pick games where the uh, defensive end, Robert Quinn, was coming down and rushing upfield and then obviously cutting in, inside, picking on the basically the guard and then allowing the, the, the defensive tackle to come out and around. Creates a lot of pressure. When those, when those offensive linemen get on different levels, meaning that the guard is at a different depth from the tackle or the center or whoever it may be, that makes pass protection very difficult. And when you have guys of, of the caliber of the Chicago Bears defensive line, great athletes, guys that are able to change speed and bend and, and provide a lot of you know, just brute force, those guys, th- those those games are impossible to pick up. And I loved watching Quinn early on in those games. No, did he get a, he, did he get a sack? No, he did not. But the use of the ET pick game early on, um, it just created those different levels that are very hard to block on because offensive lines need to be a wall and they need to be like a big cohesive unit. And when they're not, that's very difficult. So I loved what we saw early on from Quinn. And you're right, he makes a big impact in a lot of ways. It may not always be the sack, but his ability to get other guys to the quarterback, to make the quarterback step up in the pocket, to make him flustered, change his throwing angle, to change his timing. Here's the way you got to look at this thing. Chris Bosch was a phenomenal, a phenomenal Toronto Raptor. He joins the Miami Heat. Those numbers, they're not the same. You're thinking, is Chris Bosch bad? No, Chris Bosch is not any worse. He, in fact, he's probably just... But he is now the number three guy on an incredible, incredible pass rush group. So, yeah, he he he's in a different role. The numbers may not be there. They may not. You may not see that big time impact. But I think that what we're seeing is Robert Quinn is the Chris Bosh of this group, and he has a huge impact whether you see it in the stats or not. Watch the game film; it's reflected. And I absolutely loved 
I mean, how Chuck Pagano dialed it up. I mean, I have a third and seven here in the first quarter where they lined up Mac and Quinn on the same side, completely wreaked havoc. Teddy Bridgewater had to scamper out. He has athleticism. He was able to slip away from, I think we could have had maybe three or four sacks in that game. Moving forward in the second quarter, another third and four. Quinn wins again, sets up another sack. Third and two later on, left in the quarter. He frees up uh, He frees up Roquan so he can come in and make a play. And I'm just seeing these things on the field where we've been talking to some guys in the Rams. They have Leonard Floyd now. And we, I think Bears fans, I just triggered Bears fans right now, just saying the words Leonard Floyd. And we were looking for that type of production or impact plays. I just think Robert Quinn, the signing of him so far has been a complete success and a total complete upgrade over Leonard Floyd. It absolutely has been. And the funny thing is, you know, when you look at Leonard Floyd, we were talking about this before. Leonard Floyd was all, was an all-bus team, meaning he was the, the type of guy you that you wanted to be getting off the bus when the other team saw them, like, oh, God, we got to face that guy. Leonard Floyd, just for whatever reason, never had the full production. And what we see from from uh, Quinn is just just the long athleticism. He's got that, that great motor and the ability to change direction. I love watching that up-and-under move. We talk about those pick games. I love seeing creative rushing two player two uh back and quit on the same side of the of the line that is that's the stuff we need to see because that's the stuff that's hard to block that's the kind of stuff that creates this havoc you know when you have three players that rush at the level that we're talking about of mac quinn and hicks you're what you're doing is you're putting strain and stress on defenses or on offensive lines they constantly have to choose who are we going to double team? Who are we going to chip? Who are we going to keep in in protection? It limits what they can do offensively. And what you see right now is Robert Quinn is creating so much havoc because the other guys oftentimes take on the double team or they take on the extra attention, leaving this tremendous player, this Pro Bowl caliber player, who has at times led the leagues and led the league in sacks, or at least close. I don't remember what it was, but it's very close. That guy is just, you know, running free or freeing up a Roquan Smith, like you mentioned, or whoever it may be. It's just awesome to see that sort of creativity and the role that he can play without necessarily getting the sack itself. Now for Cam's final highlight of the game. This is something that I wanted to ask you because as someone that didn't play the game, I'm looking at it and I'm thinking one thing, but it could possibly be something else. We're talking about the offensive line. They had a tough game. Where were the explosive plays? Well, they couldn't really have it because the pocket was collapsing on Nick Foles and they couldn't get the running game going. So what do you do when that doesn't happen? The easy, obvious answer is slip screens, misdirection. They were running Anthony Miller a lot in motion. Couldn't really get anything in that area. But in the fourth quarter on a second down and 10 with about 616 left on they decided to go for a slip screen. They completed it to Montgomery, and to me, in my eyes, I thought they had it set up perfectly with three, with three blockers ready to just road grade like all the way down the field, and it just didn't really work out. You know, the linebacker got to Montgomery. It sort of felt like maybe Montgomery didn't wait long enough, even though he had people in pursuit. What did you see on that particular play? Is that an execution thing? Is that Montgomery's lack of patience? because it looked like he just wasn't able to wait that half second that he needed to have one guy get a hat, like a hat on somebody to maybe get a bigger game. Slip screens are difficult. I mean, any screen's difficult because it comes down to two main things. The first thing is timing, 
And the second thing is execution of assignment. And what I mean by that is not just knowing how to block, but where to block. And so there's a couple of things that we need to point out on that particular slip screen. First of all, there was blown assignment on the left side. I believe it was at the left guard position. Again, coward, uh, not blocking a guy, guy came free. You know, obviously that ball's supposed to get out quick. The timing, it wasn't really uh, thrown off by it, but it is something that can be dangerous. And when you're setting up that screen, normally it's a one, two, and then let that man through. They had a defensive tackle that came completely untouched and that can be hazardous down the uh you know down in that situation the next thing that i noticed that i think was a was an, a mental miscue if you will was on the part of the right guard jermaine Ofetti. when they're running that slip screen out to the right what they want to do is they want to get one two three guys out what they're doing is the right tackle has number one that's the widest man to the field typically that's a corner or someone number two is right guard man that should be uh Ofetti, and he should be looking at and um, coming from the from the field, and then lastly would be the guard Whitehair, and he's looking at an inside linebacker. Well, what you notice on that play is that I don't know if they got their count wrong or if it was just mistimed or whatever it may be. But you, what you notice is that Effetti is running to the basically to the right spot, but then second guesses himself and looks inside, leaving one man completely to come free. So they basically put two guys on. Cody Whitehair's inside linebacker and that outside linebacker uh, comes completely free. So it's a little thing. It's it's the little things though, and you know, getting just having your count right, having the right timing. I mean, yes, you can you can beat up on David Montgomery for maybe, you know, hey, if you slow that down just a little bit, you're able to get in there and, and sort. But what you notice is that you see the hesitation in Afedi's steps as he gets to that point of attack. That hesitation to me says that he's not sure where he's going. And when you see him turn back in left and someone's coming in from the right, to me that's completely just him not knowing where to go. You got my football nerd blood boiling. That was absolute excellent breakdown. We're talking about the limitations in the offense, and they are who they are. But when they dial up plays like this, those are supposed to be game-breaking, field-flipping plays, and it's the details and the confidence that we're still working on as a Bears offense that can really just alleviate some of this pressure of got to get the run game going. Where are the explosive plays? I mean, that's a play call right there that should have come up for a big game. I just wanted to hear your perspective on it. I think you nailed it perfectly that the details moving forward is really going to be as big of an issue as it is finding who's going to be explosive in the passing game. Or, you know, when's David Montgomery going to break off a big run? I think we're still at the point of looking at those little details and trying to make that work. Cameron, it's time. It's time for Cam's keys. Keys to a victory in week seven against the Rams. I'm dying to hear, what is your first key to a Bears victory? I want to see this Bears offensive line prove themselves and their ability. I'm not going to come out and say, hey, run the ball, run the ball, run the ball. I'm tired of it. I'm, I'm over it. I'm not going to throw that out as a key anymore. What I'm going to suggest is that they protect Foles well enough to take shots down the field. Obviously, Aaron Donald is, is like, we, like we said on yesterday's pod, maybe the only real defensive lineman that we get to discuss in the same caliber as Khalil Mack. How can we keep Nick Foles upright? How can we give ourselves time to throw the ball down the field, to take chances, to take shots, and to execute on some of those downfield throws? Because we've mentioned time and time again that this Bears offense dinks and dunks and you know might score 21 points, might score 24 points. Like That's a, that's a big day for them. How are we going to make those pop plays? And I think it all starts with the ability to protect Nick Foles and keep him upright. That's a great call. I mean, we've just been waiting. Didn't even get a chance to see a lot of shots down the field at all in the Panthers game. You want to make the defense respect you. You want to like try and not have the field shrink on you so you can be able to at least make some decisions in the underneath passing game. 
So my my counter question to you would be, who do you think could come up with that pop play? Do you think that can be an Allen Robinson? Or are you looking at a guy like Darnell Mooney, a great look with a single high safety and his speed? Maybe he's the guy that you're looking at in that situation. I think it's, Dar- I think it's Darnell Mooney. And I think what we'll see this week is Allen Robinson is going to have to – he's going to have his hands full. Jalen Ramsey – Last last season in this matchup, I mean, was just an absolute absolute nightmare for Allen Robinson. I believe it was like six targets for 15 yards or something. Jalen Ramsey is going to be going to be a, a full a nightmare for Allen Robinson, and and so who's going to step up in his place? Who's going to be the next guy up? Uh, this uh, this Rams secondary they're they're pretty tough. They're, they're a tough group. I think that it's uh, I think that it's going to be Darnell Mooney's opportunity to make that big downfield play. And and see that speed on display, and see those big those big uh, pop plays, if you will, because I I think that um it's it's time for him, and I think that he will get the opportunity to to display that. I wanted to go explosive plays as one of my keys so badly. I'm right on the same page with you, but somehow I just couldn't bring my little heart to put it on the map. And I'm hoping that my first key can work in tandem with what you're saying. But I'm going meat and potatoes on this one. My key is just called do what we do but do it better. The Rams defense, as you mentioned, they take away the big play, the explosive plays. That's not something that the Bears do. They do give up 135 rushing yards a game. I'm not saying commit to the run, but it is possible against this Rams defense. And do what we do, but do it better. Check out these stats. The Rams, they give up the eighth most receptions to tight ends this season. They've given up the fifth most receiving yards to running backs. Our running game is mostly a short passing game now. That opportunity is going to be there. The Rams actually prefer teams to throw the ball to the tight end and throw the ball to the running back. Well, what do the Bears like to do? We like that very much. So just do what we do, but do it better. Be efficient. Those details that we just talked about in that slip screen, when you do take those chances to have game-breaking plays, you got to execute. But again, be efficient. Do what you do, but just do it better. I like that. I think that you make some really good points about uh, maybe the weaknesses in that Rams defense. And it would be a great a great time to see more David Montgomery out of the backfield, maybe some Cordero Patterson out of the backfield, get the ball back in the hands of Jimmy Graham, and maybe we could see some more Cole Komet because last week was nice. We should we should do that more often. I will say right now, Cole Komet first touchdown, fifty to one. Cole Komet touchdown in the game, nine to one, plus nine hundred. And I'm right there with you. I think this is something where if you if you're if you're someone that wants to go to betonline.ag and put a pretty penny down this is a perfect opportunity in my opinion to get ahead of the curve on something we saw it last week granted he only had two catches but he was targeted in the red zone i think it's something that it's at the time and point in the season when a rookie tight end can begin to contribute and i'm with you i think that he could possibly be featured a little bit more in this game and we're both in agreement demetrius harris just just take a back seat man watching the tape didn't make me feel any better about you I mean, that drop on the one perfectly designed play where he was wide open for at least 15 yards, I just can't get out of my head. It's the new Khalil Mack drops an interception. Cole Komet in this game, I think we can maybe see him and perhaps see him in the red zone. It's time we see him, we see Harris phased out and more Cole Komet phased in. There's no reason to not do it. We've seen that he can catch the ball. Let's, Let's give the kid a shot. He needs more opportunities. Cam, what's your second key to a victory in week seven? I say that the Bears got to come out and they got to contain the Rams' rushing attack. We know that they've got the three-headed monster. We know that they've got some depth at the running back position. They want to come out and run the ball. Let's put this game on the shoulders of Jared Goff. Jared Goff is someone that I believe that the Bears can get to. So let's contain the rushing attack and put it in the hands of Jared Goff and say, hey, you beat us. Throw the ball and beat our defense. 
out of the three running backs on the Rams right now, Malcolm Brown, Cam Akers, Daryl Henderson, I'm personally most terrified of Daryl Henderson. The dude runs hard. We have had in the past, not this last week, some issues with tackling on that first, second level in our run gaps, guys being able to get a couple extra yards, guys actually being able to get outside at times too as well. Which of those running backs kind of scares you the most? Because this is what the Rams have done the last two games. I mean, they've they've run the football on the Bears. Literally last year, Goff only threw the ball 18 times, and they just handed the ball off over and over and over again to score 19 points and win. Which of those running backs would you key in on? I think that Daryl Henderson is the best runner, and so it's easy to say that one. But Cam Akers out of the backfield as a receiver, as a receiving back, is is somewhat of a of a scary idea to us. You know, we've seen at times this season where there were struggles covering the speed out of the backfield. We've had trouble with our linebackers uh, in the past game uh, on those short running back throws. So that's someone that definitely you need to keep your eye on. Uh, is it Roquan Smith? Is it Danny Trevathan? Those are th- just just little things to key key in on, and I think that. Um, I, I don't think it'll be an issue, but it's something that could persist and could be could be something that uh, should scare Bears fans a little bit. Yeah, the matchup that I'm kind of looking at is the Bears we've been talking about now. They're one of the best teams on third down. And if they're going to commit to the run, I want to see the Bears stiffen up on those third and four, third and three situations if they are going to handle the rock and give it to a Daryl Henderson. I want to see them be able to wrap up and maintain that level of efficiency that they've had on third down. My second key... You were talking about Garrett, Jared Goff. I'm just going with Goff off on this one. And Cooper Cup, Robert Woods, Tyler Higby, they've got some weapons. Reynolds burned us last year when we lost, uh, we lost against them in L.A. The numbers against Jared Goff are frightening against the Bears. I feel like Khalil Mack owns Jared Goff at this point. He's 31 of 62 in two games, averaging only 176 passing yards in the two games against the Bears. Zero touchdowns, five interceptions. This just sort of seems like Jared Goff, I like him. He's on my fantasy team, don't get me wrong. But the above-average quarterback that when he plays an elite defense hits a ceiling, and he can have himself a really bad game very quickly. And I do want to make sure that we contain that early. I don't want him to get confidence. I don't want to see their play action. I don't want to see him outside of the pocket breaking down in defense and finding guys open on third and eight. I think we also need to bottle that up too as well. We're talking in tandem here. I mean, Really, this Rams offense is more explosive than ours, and it's really just going to be a matter about maintaining the discipline and the hard-hitting ways the Bears have been able to build momentum over the last couple of games. Yeah, you've uh, you said it, so I just want to go ahead and I guess I'll just lean into it because you basically teed me up for it. I think that the Bears need what they need to do, and I guess it's my third key, is they have to continue to force turnovers. What is it is the best offense is a great defense, especially when we're talking about the Chicago Bears. And I think that that's really their best way to create points sometimes is to come out and play, is to play great defense and, and to create opportunities for this offense to score. You mentioned it, five turnovers, five interceptions in two games. Just abysmal, just absolutely terrible, terrible, terrible performances from Jared Goff. You know, this this group can, we talk about it every week, can get after the quarterback, can, can create opportunities for turnovers, and I think that if they're able to do that again this week, you know, this is going to be an ugly one. The scores are always ugly. We're talking about the Bears. So if they're able to come out, create turnovers, score points on defense, that's what I think is, is probably the most important thing because I don't think that this uh, that our offense is going to come out and blow them away by any means. Putting points on the board on the defensive side of the ball, taking the ball out of the hands of Jared Goff, Man, I think that's that's the best way to get things done. So get after the quarterback, force turnovers, and, and play real Bears defense, if you will. 
Even give us another short field. I'll take a field goal in this game. Honestly, if you give us a short field, we can get some points on the board. Bears to score a defensive tutty in this game, plus 350. Just, just throwing that one out there, too, as well. My third key is I'm just going to call it team effort. And team effort, you know, it sounds like a cliche, but I really think in terms of this offensive line, I think we're going to see a lot of heavy sets. I think we're going to have to see some misdirection. I think we're going to have to see tight ends chipping and pulling and trying to help out on this offensive line. And I just think that if we can, and that's the thing when they talk about offensive lines and maybe I'm wrong, but it's not necessarily about having a stud at every single position. There's actually been some teams that have gone to Super Bowls without a pro bowler on the offensive line, but it's that team effort. It's that continuity. It's playing on the string, right? Where if we can do that and maybe be the sum of our parts I think it could give us a, a chance to win. And like you said, with that defense, my favorite part about having Khalil Mack is he does have a couple mantles on the wall right now. One of them is Kirk Cousins, and the other one is Jared Goff. I would like to see that continue. I've, I portend a very low-scoring game in this one. So on the off offensive side of the ball, I think it's just going to have to be a team effort on all fronts to help these guys out. If someone's having a hard time against Aaron Donald right away, you got to recognize that and maybe for a drive or two really dedicate the time to just getting him off of Nick Foles for a little bit, just give us some air. And that's why I think it's going to be so low scoring. I think it's going to be low scoring because that's the way the Bears win games. It's the only way, baby. It's the only way we know how to fly. <laughs> the only way we know. Uh, Cameron, it's time. Uh, it's the Nick Foles time. Give us your BDN stat line, yards, touchdowns, interceptions in week seven against the Rams on Monday night football. Give me 198 yards passing. One touchdown, one interception. I think that's the exact same line he had last week, except he had a rushing touchdown. And if anyone can do that, it can be Nick Foles. Just, just Xerox and just duplicate it. I'm going to be low as well. I'm going to say 206 yards, one touchdown, also one interception. I, I, I want to be fancy and I want to zag where you're zigging, but I simply just can't. I really think it. I do think we can get a touchdown on the board. I do like Cole Komet perhaps to score in a, uh, a touchdown. I like Jimmy Graham honestly a lot too as well to score a touchdown in this game. I think in the red zone that's going to be a huge, huge, huge development. We'll see if it works out or not. And before we get to final score, I do want to ask you that as a Bears fan heading into primetime games, Sunday night games, Monday night games, I'll tell you the last three years and even roll it back to the Cuddy days was a terrifying prospect Cuddy on Monday nights especially against the Packers he could throw five interceptions better than anyone else and Mitch under the bright lights has never really put up big stats he had the Dallas game but I believe that was a Thursday night game usually heading into these Monday night games I would be absolutely terrified as a Bears fan that something humiliating is going to happen on offense can we at least say with Nick Foles as our quarterback right now that I mean the whole concept you don't think anything humiliating will happen like what like Nick like Nick Foles's pants fall down and then we're all just the pride of Chicago is just a butt fumble too no that's too early that's Thanksgiving season no it's just it's just that with Nick Foles at center I just don't feel like we're gonna go out there and you're not nervous ourselves yeah I'm just not, not nervous it's I, we're gonna put up a competitive effort I, I'm picking I'm gonna not to blow final score but I'm gonna pick the Bears to win but it's just this whole idea of Mitch Trubisky on a Monday night football game just just felt like dread there was a dread nervousness to it, a pall, an anchor around your neck, even with Jay Cutler. At least with Nick Foles, I feel like it doesn't matter what time of day it is. The dude's going to sling the rock, and he's going to get hot a little bit. He's going to get cold a little bit. It doesn't matter the time of day or weather. He's an adult in the room. 
He's just he's just an adult in the room. I just trust that it, it'll be fine. It's not going to be super flashy. It's not going to be terrible. It, it'll be fine. We got Nick Foles. Baseline, base level. So Cameron, it's time. What's your final score? We are both five and one in our picks this season. So let's see. We're tied in first place in a field of two. So what is your final score for Bears Rams in Week Seven? I'm gonna go ahead. I'm gonna say Bears 17-13. I'm going 19-13. We both have 13. It's just gonna be a low-scoring game, guys. Get ready for it. If the Rams score over 24 points, do you think we stand a chance in this game, or do you think that number, once they get over 24, that could be a very, very difficult proposition for a Bears victory? I would say that against a defense like L.A., that seems a little high. There are teams that you can do that against. I don't think that this is one of them. This team is just probably a little bit too good. Yeah, I like to sometimes think, and the over-under for the game is 45, which is a super low number. I sometimes like to think, you know, what's it going to take not just what I would like to see. I want to see the Bears score 27, 30 points every game, but game to game, I'm like, well, what is it going to take and what is the area point total where I think if it gets to that number, it's going to be very daunting for the Bears to win. And because I like the Bears defense so much, I just feel like Khalil Mack and this Bears defense has the Rams number. I'm looking at 16, really, as the number here of like, got to get over 16, for real. I mean, it's going to be that low scoring. That's why I like the 19-13 score. But if it gets around the 23-24 point area, especially in that third quarter, which we know we're scoring points now in the third quarter, Cameron. I don't know if you, I don't know if you, you found that out yet. But if it gets up in that area, I think it could become really difficult for the Bears to pull out a win. Hopefully, we don't get there. Let's just, let's just not, let's just avoid it. Cameron, Bears, Rams, Week Seven. Bears are five and one. Rams are four and two. Bear, Rams got a little bit of an incentive here. But the Bears are also trying to prove to the nation that they are not pretenders. We're going to have to find out what happens. We're going to be coming back, not this weekend, but we'll be back late Monday night. But until then, Cameron, take us home on another great pod. You've been listening to the Believe in Bears podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. Make sure you guys check out a special late Monday night edition after the game of uh, the Bears and Rams. It's going to be crazy. Make sure you uh, give us a like, a subscribe. Make sure you tell all your friends. Shout out to my grandma. Remember to always bear down. You have been listening to the Believe in Bears podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.